With me, Peter Sherman, filling in tonight and uh, all next week. All right, uh, take you back to August the 11th. There's a rally at King Square Shopping Center out in Markham, which features, amongst other things, a number of people of Asian um, descent or not even uh, descent, people who have emigrated to Canada from uh, Asian points and very notably Chinese community, but not a Chinese community that's monolithic. Chinese that have come from Hong Kong where they spent their formative years uh, in what seemed to be a fairly democratic piece of that part of the world, even though it was de facto owned by so-called mainland China back at the at that time. Then um, the Brits turned it back to the Chinese, and they decided that they would maintain, or shouldn't decide, in the negotiations it was decided that they would maintain Hong Kong roughly as it was, but they'd have an administrator. Her name today is Carrie Lam. Uh, demonstrations started back a month, two months ago, because Carrie Lam decided, I guess in consultation with her masters in Beijing, that... Uh, there was going to be a new law that would allow for extradition for people accused of a crime in Hong Kong to China, where there would be uh, court proceedings under Chinese law, not under the kind of uh, court system that operates in Hong Kong. And this has caused uh, havoc over in Hong Kong, and it's also caused repercussions around the world. So we're seeing demonstrations in downtown Toronto. We're seeing them uh, around the community. And they're not monolithic either because we have Hong Kong Chinese and we have uh, mainland Chinese, and these are opposing demonstrations. So the one I'm talking about on August 11th out in Markham uh, featured a number of speakers. They portrayed the massive demonstrations in Hong Kong as a dangerous threat to the city's peace, stability, and economy. And if you see where I'm going with this, what they're taking is the position of the Chinese government, not of the people demonstrating in Hong Kong. But what's important about this story to you and to us generally is there are allegations that at that rally there were forms being distributed and filled out that would enroll the people who were doing the uh, the completion of the forms as members of the Liberal Party of Canada. We have an election coming up, don't you know? So I'm joined on the line by Aaron O'Toole, who is the foreign affairs critic for the Conservative Party of Canada, also former Veterans Affairs Minister. And I might add, son of my good friend John O'Toole, who I spent seven years uh, as a colleague uh, with at uh, Queen's Park. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having that. Uh, I would have if you didn't. <laughs> well, there you go. And I'm delighted to have you on board. And please say hello to your dad. But uh, that's all aside. Tell me about this this business with signups. Are the liberals doing this or not? Because they say they're not. Um, they, their response to this, Peter, was very, very bizarre. They claimed that the these were old forms, but it seems like some of the forms may have been available on the website fairly recently. Uh, so in many ways, their sort of half-denial leads me to think that this was a real side uh, show at this rally, as you said at the, at the beginning of the month in Markham. Um, and it's really disconcerting, because if you remember, John McCallum, the former Liberal minister and the, the, the ambassador who eight months ago had to resign, and we haven't had one since, he was in Beijing about a month and a half ago, and he was urging the communist uh, state to indirectly help the Liberals in the next election. Um, so that, combined with this, uh, is really, really concerning. You know, it's certainly... Well, it's disconcerting, at, at the very least. I mean, Michael Chan, who was a, 
a cabinet minister in the liberal government of McGinty and Wynne, and who also represented that area, as did McCallum, uh, is reported to have been associated with rallies that are pro-China as well. Now, I can't, I'm saying alleged because I don't know that to be true, but those are reports that we're getting. What's going on here? Why would anybody, notwithstanding their origins, want to be associated with a brutal communist government? That is the million-dollar question, and maybe a million dollars has something to do with it. There are some people that are willing to look entirely the other way because of the business and trade opportunities with with China. And the Conservatives, we have always said you have to look at both, and you have to engage on, on trade and other things, but always being mindful and strong on human rights, rule of law, those sorts of things. And we've been concerned, the, the Trudeau diplomatic dispute with, with China that's approaching nine months now, has led them to be very quiet when it comes to Hong Kong. Both myself, Michael Chong uh, in our caucus, we've been pushing for stronger statements from Canada for, for many months. And Trudeau and Freeland have been quite silent relatively. And is this because there are a portion of the people within the Liberal Party that are pro-Beijing? Like, that's very, very troubling. Well, I, th- I think it's troubling, and I, it makes me wonder what the go-forward is, because uh, as of the last uh, 48 hours, as you would be uh, acutely aware, Mike Pompeo was in uh, from Secretary of State of the United States, uh, and it, this is a precursor to um, everybody being uh, all uh, sitting, sitting in a circle singing Kumbaya at the G7, uh, and the United States is saying, we're absolutely going to uh, represent your interests, Canada. Uh, to uh, China in our bilateral discussions with them. And that was two days ago. And now today we see the world explode on the trade front. How is anybody going to represent Canada's interests? Uh, you, you just have to be strategic. And, you know, why we've been very, very vocal about them being stronger in Hong Kong, Peter, is Hong Kong has 300,000 Canadians. In fact, Canadians died. Over 1,000 were, were wounded or killed defending Hong Kong in World War II. Canada has interests in Hong Kong that are deep and much deeper than a lot of other Western nations. There's more Canadians in Hong Kong, for example, than Prince Edward Island. So we should be strong standing up for the one country, two systems uh, regime, which was supposed to respect the democratic rights that Hong Kongers have, which China has slowly been eroding. And as you said, that was accelerated. You gave a good overview at the outset about this extradition rule where they could pull people into the Chinese legal system on the mainland and out of that rule of law that they're accustomed to in Hong Kong. Where is all the the vocal uh, progressive values of Justin Trudeau. He's he's been very very silent because they've they've been on the wrong end of this dispute and aren't sure how to act. So let's do a suppose. Suppose it's October twenty second, and you wake up and discover that uh, your leader Andrew Scheer is the Prime Minister of Canada elect. And over the course of the ensuing three, four weeks, he's going to choose and announce a cabinet and presumably uh, get everybody sworn in. And Aaron O'Toole finds himself foreign affairs minister. Uh, How do we deal with the China issue? We deal with it straight on. In fact, China appreciates direct uh, and respectful diplomacy. So we should view ourselves as a peer and we should go right at the issues we need to. So what we would do is appoint an ambassador immediately if there isn't one. It's been We've had no one there for eight months, and we're having the biggest dispute. There's been billions at risk. Our citizens are in jail. The second thing, while they're reviewing our ambassador, 
we would send over a special envoy um, and and get the get the talks restarted. But in the meantime, we'd also recommend pulling out of the Asian Infrastructure Bank, taking a few steps to show that this is not a one-way one-way uh, uh, situation where we allow the Chinese to cut our exports, imprison our citizens, we will make some measures that may may not have a big impact on China, but show that we, we don't respect the way that they're treating us. And we shouldn't be in the Asian Infrastructure Bank anyway. So months ago, Andrew Scheer said we should pull out of that. We should be clear with them that Huawei doesn't have a role in our 5G network. Uh, it's a state-owned enterprise. 5G is going to be the future. So certain real politic with with Beijing, I think they would they would deal with better than some of the posturing and glad grandstanding of Justin Trudeau. Okay, so since we're sitting here uh, less than twenty four hours away from the uh, convening of the G seven uh, over in Europe, what will be the conversation there vis a vis China? What how's the dynamic of that going to work this weekend? You know that's that is a, an interesting question because. We could have been much more aligned on some of the trade concerns with China. China has been dumping uh, steel and other commodities in the world world market. They they subsidize and not just the price, but then they'll actually do construction. So uh, recently, Justin Trudeau's government has just allowed basically most of our industrial construction industry to be outsourced to China. This is where the Western countries should say the WTO is a rules-based system. We're not going to allow you to transship. We're all going to align to make sure that these trade rules aren't circumvented. I think that would be something we would be pushing for, and uh, that was something that actually started under Obama, started tariffing, tariffing steel. So this is something all countries have known about, but we need to have more action in unison so that uh, we can counterbalance some of the strength of the large, large uh, Chinese commodities market. Well, do you think that uh, over the course of the next 10 weeks in the uh, election talk, I mean, we're doing it now, but do you think that uh, foreign affairs and our relationships with other countries are going to play any kind of a significant role, or are we going to be talking more economics, that kind of thing? I think, you know, affordability will be key. And, you know, we launched our uh, our slogan today, Andrew Shear has been saying for months, it's time for Canadians to get ahead. In the GTA, particularly, people are falling behind. But more than ever, foreign affairs will be, Peter. Most people did a double take. And when Trudeau's reputation really began to slide was his state visit to India. Uh, we remember how... Yeah, it was, that didn't go well. It did not go well. And if you forget it, I can show you a few photos right. uh, that were widely mocked. The Washington Post called it a slow-moving train wreck. And that's where they put the Liberal Party's political fortunes and some photos and some guests they invited ahead of the national interest. And there's a number of countries. Philippines just sent back uh, the garbage flotilla because Trudeau couldn't handle that dispute. Malaysia's doing the same thing. Uh, India, Italy has tariffs on Durham wheat, for example, likely in part due to some of the silly comments Justin Trudeau said comparing returning ISIS fighters to Greek and Italian immigrants of the past. Just ridiculous things that ambassadors and countries notice. So We've never been so isolated on the world stage, in large part because of Justin Trudeau's own, putting his own brand ahead of our national interest. That's what conservatives will change. Well, there you go. Not for nothing, they have an Aaron O'Toole, and I thank you for taking some time to talk to us this evening. Thank you.
Thank you, Peter. All right, that's Aaron O'Toole. He is the former Veterans Affairs Minister under Stephen Harper and currently Foreign Affairs Critic, uh, off in election mode, I guess we could say. I am Peter Sherman, in for Alex Pearson. We're on point here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.